As you're being seated, let me invite you to open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 3. Paul is teaching us about right living in this final amazing chapter. We live God's way as we apply the truth of God's word in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. In verses 1 and 2, Paul answered the question, what? What are we supposed to do as followers of Jesus? He said, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. That's the what. Beginning in verse 3, Paul answered the question, why? Why are we supposed to do these things? He wrote, for we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. We were once, like those who don't know Jesus, we were once spiritually dead in our sins. We were once separated from God by our sin against God. We were once on our way to an eternity in hell. But we know in verse 4, He continued and shared with us, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. But when Jesus, the kindness and love of God in the flesh appeared, God saved us. God saved you and me. God saved us by his grace through our faith in Jesus The what points to our duty as followers of Jesus Christ. The what. This is what we are to do as followers of Jesus Christ. The why points to our desire as followers of Jesus. And as we mentioned last Sunday, understanding the why inspires us to do the what. Why are we supposed to be kind and gentle to others? Because of God's kindness and gentleness to us. Why are we to be ready for every good work? Because of God's good work in us. And so he continues in verse 5, and he says, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So let's jump right in this verse 5, and let's start to take it apart piece by piece. Paul said, he saved us. God saved us. Paul didn't want there to be any questions about salvation. We did not save ourselves. You didn't save you. I didn't save me. God saved us. God delivered us. God freed us. God rescued us. God saved us in Christ Jesus. He saved us. We do not achieve salvation. We receive salvation. He said, not by works of righteousness that we had done. He saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done. We don't achieve salvation. We receive salvation. We receive salvation from God as a gift of his grace to us by our response of faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. We receive this gift of grace that we call salvation. We don't achieve it or work for it. Hold your place in Titus. Turn to your left real quick to Galatians, to Galatians chapter 2. Paul made this abundantly clear in 
most of his writings, in all of his writings, but certainly in Galatians, in this one passage, I want you to see the clarity he brings to this. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Paul wrote these words, we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, and yet because we know that a person is not, say is not, justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. We are saved by God's good work, not our good works. We enter in God's family by grace through faith. We grow in God's family by grace through faith. We live in God's family by grace through faith. Salvation is by grace through faith. Sanctification, God's work of spiritual growth in us, is by grace through faith. God saved us. That's great news for you and me. Not according to works of righteousness that we had done, but he said, according to his mercy. But there is a contrast. It contrasts God's work and our works. But according to his, that means on the basis of God's, not ours. God saved us on the basis of his good work, not our good works. But according to his, salvation is God's work in us by God's power for God's glory. And he saved us according to his mercy. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot down and focus in on what the Holy Spirit speaks to you about mercy. It's a beautiful word here in the scriptures. Mercy means kindness and compassion to those in need. Mercy is kindness and compassion to those in need. But he saved us according to his mercy. That means we were once in desperate need of forgiveness. We deserved justice for our sin against God, which would have been eternal separation from God in hell. But God saved us according to his mercy. Another way to define these terms, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. God in his mercy held back his judgment and punishment for our sins that we did not deserve. God in his grace offered us forgiveness of sins he offered us forgiveness of sins and new life in Jesus, which we did not deserve. He held back his judgment and punishment for our sins, which we deserved. But he held it back because of his mercy. And then because of his grace, he extended forgiveness of sins and new life in Jesus for us, which we did not deserve. Peter talked about this. He reminded us of this when he said, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may declare the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. Receive mercy. 
Paul reminded us, but we were once dead in our sins and transgressions, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, made us alive with him in Christ, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our sins and transgressions, even though we were dead in our trespasses, we are saved by grace. Salvation is God's glorious work of his mercy, grace, and love for us in Christ Jesus. He saved us. God saved us. Not by works of righteousness we had done, but according to his mercy. And then he continues his explanation through the washing. So he's going to give us more detail on how this works within us. Through the washing. That word washing in the original language literally means a bath. It means bathing. It means cleansing. So think with me, what Paul is reminding us is we were once, before we met Jesus, spiritually dead in the filth and decay of our sin. We were blinded by our sin. We were covered in our sin. We were ruined by our sin. We were literally dead in our sin. And the Holy Spirit of God washes us. He cleanses us of our sin. He washes our sins away by the blood Jesus Christ shed for us on the cross of Calvary. This is the washing that Paul is talking about. It's a result of the mercy of God because he saved us through the through, according to his mercy through the washing what a blessing for you and me. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We see this washing also points to our water baptism. Washing here also points to our baptism. Our baptism is the outward sign, the outward symbol, the outward step of our obedience to God that reflects the inner cleansing work of God in us by his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit's washing us, cleansing us of our sins. And so baptism, as we celebrate Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, is that imagery, it's that symbol that just as we have been washed internally, we've been changed internally by God in Christ Jesus. We've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. So in baptism, it is that picture that our sins are washed away and that we are raised to live a new life in Christ. That just as Jesus died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, he rose again to new life. And we too have risen in Christ to new life. That's why biblical baptism is always after salvation, not before salvation. Biblical baptism is always after salvation. It's never before salvation because it's the symbol, the sign, the step of obedience from us as followers of Jesus Christ that shows outwardly what's happened inwardly in Christ Jesus. So he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done. It's not by us and our works, but according to his mercy, through the washing, through the washing of regeneration and renewal. Regeneration. Regeneration means new birth. It means to be born again. 
It needs to be born again from above. Regeneration means a complete change in life for believers in Jesus. Renewal means a change in someone or something to newness. It means a change for the better. Renewal means renovation. So regeneration gives us new birth. God regenerates us. He gives us new birth, which speaks to cleansing us of our sins. Renewal gives us new life as a result of our new birth so that we can live for Jesus. So can we live for him day by day? Paul talked about this. He mentioned this in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 25 and 26, an amazing passage as he's relating and speaking to us about marriage. He said this in verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. So he's talking about how Jesus loves the church. That's us, you and me. And he says, Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave himself on the cross for us to make her, to make us holy, cleansing her, cleansing us with the washing of water by the word. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. He gives us new birth. We are born again as he takes the word of God and he opens our eyes to our sin against God and our need for God's forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And he washes our sins away by the blood Jesus shed for us as we repent of our sins, confess them to God, and place our faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit regenerates us, but the Holy Spirit also renews us day by day. He renovates us. He continues to change us for the better as he empowers us to grow in our faith in Christ Jesus day by day. Regeneration and renewal are gifts of God's grace to us. Regeneration and renewal is the work of God's Holy Spirit in us. This is awesome. He's sharing with us. He's giving us a breakdown, a background. He's actually blowing our minds spiritually about what is happening in salvation. He said, we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and all those horrifying things that were true of us before we met Jesus. But God, the kindness and the love of God, his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, appeared and he saved us. He took our place on the cross and paid our price for sin. And that salvation was not based on the works of righteousness that we had done. It's not based on how good we are, how many good works we could do. It was, be- it was because of his mercy. He didn't give us the punishment for our sin that we deserved. Instead, he gave us forgiveness of sin and new life in Jesus, which we did not deserve. And he, in doing so, He goes deeper and he says that happened through the washing, the cleansing of the blood, by the blood of Jesus cleansing us from our sins and giving us new birth and new life, regenerating us and renewing us day by day so that we can continue living for him by his Holy Spirit alive and working in us. He didn't save us by works and we don't continue to grow in our faith in Christ by our works. It's the Holy Spirit's work all the way throughout which provides us with the assurance of success. And it's also why Paul said, walk by the Spirit. Just get in line, walk by the Spirit, follow the Lord's leadership in your life that he has given to you, and you will not, certainly not, carry out the desires of the flesh. Because the Spirit's going towards God, the flesh away from God. 
And he says this is all by the Holy Spirit. And he makes this clear at the end of verse 5. And then as we look at verse 6, look at what he says in verse 6. He poured out his spirit on us. Say that with me out loud. He poured out his spirit on us. Now this time let's read it and say he poured out his spirit on me. He poured out his spirit on me. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Our God is an awesome God, amen? Our God is a loving God, amen? Our God is a generous God, amen? He poured out. That means in the original language, I want you to get a hold of this. Poured out literally means a large outpouring, a lavish outpouring. It means to gush forth. It means to bestow largely. God poured out. He lavishly bestowed. He poured out on us his spirit. Now, poured out is in the aorist tense. So that means it's signifying an action that happened at a point in time in our past. So what Paul is saying is that when God saved us, according to his mercy, at a point in time in our past, he lavishly poured out his spirit on us. What that means is he placed his Holy Spirit in you and in me when he saved us by his grace and mercy and love for us. He did not give us some of his spirit. He did not give us most of his spirit. He gave us all of his Holy Spirit. God is with us, for us, and in us by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He convicts us. He encourages us. He guides us. He helps us to live and love God's way. And we've answered the question, what, in verses 1 and 2. We've answered the question, why, in verses 3 and beyond. Now as we get to verse 6, as we move here, we find the answer to the question, how. How do we do the what? We know why we do the what. How do we do the what? By the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us. That's how. The Holy Spirit. He's the answer to the question, what? He's the answer to the question, how? He's the one who helps us do the what. It's in his strength. We follow his lead. The Holy Spirit, he poured on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. When God saved us, he didn't save us because of our works. It was because of his mercy, his grace, his love for us. And when he saved us, he didn't leave us to ourselves. He placed his Holy Spirit in us. And he poured his Spirit on us abundantly because he knew how desperately we need his help. And so he poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And then he continues in verse 7. And he said, so that. So here it is. So that means the reason God saved us and poured out his Spirit abundantly on us. So that. Having been justified, having been justified means to be declared right with God. So that God saved us, placed his Holy Spirit in us, so that we might be justified, so that we might be declared right with God by his grace. We are justified, we are saved by God's grace, not by our works. We are justified, we are saved by God's grace, his undeserved, unearned favor of God poured out on us in Christ Jesus. So that having been saved by his grace. Listen, God justified us at a point in time in our past 
when he forgave us our sins and welcomed us into his family based on the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, and our response of faith and trust in him. God justified us, declared us right with him. He saved us a point in time in our past. He forgave us our sins, cleansed us, washed us, and he welcomed us into his family, regenerated us, renewed us, welcomed us into his family based on the perfect righteousness, the perfect sacrifice of his son Jesus and our response of faith and trust in Jesus. Therefore, get a hold of this, therefore, I stand before God just as I had never sinned in Jesus. You stand before God just as if you've never sinned in Jesus. We stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. When he sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that's why Paul is giving us this background, this depth of understanding when it comes to God saved us. Yes, he saved us, but what that means is there's so much more. There's grace and there's mercy and there's love and there's regeneration and there's renewal and there's justification. And man, as I stand before God and as he looks at me, he understands that he sees the blood of his son, my Savior, Jesus Christ. I stand just as I've never sinned. Before God in Christ Jesus, not in my works. And you don't stand before God clothed in your works, but in the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, we know justification is a one-time work of God's grace in us in our past. Sanctification is a continual work of God's grace in us in the present. And God continues sanctifying us day by day. As he convicts us of our sin, forgives us of our sin, washes us, forgives us of our sin, and restores and renews us and allows us to continue living his way. What an awesome, beautiful picture. And he says, so that having justified by his grace, here it is, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. We may become heirs. What he's reminding us is that in Christ Jesus, we are members of God's family. We are children of God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We're God's kids. That means we get his inheritance. And that inheritance is huge. And he highlighted one piece of that inheritance. He said that we might become heirs with the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of eternal life with God one day in Christ Jesus. We have hope today of our home in heaven tomorrow. And that guides and directs our steps. God desires this to guide and direct our steps day after day after day. We have the hope of knowing that we're going to spend eternity with our Father in glory one day. We have the hope of knowing no matter how bad it gets here, it's only for a season. It's only for a time. Because this isn't our home. We're passing through. And we're going to spend eternity with our Father in heaven. 
And that means when we go through grief and sorrow and loss here on this earth, because we're going to, because God created us to love, and he therefore created us to grieve and feel sorrow and mourn and loss, and the scripture teaches that. But we know when we go through grief, mourning, sorrow, and loss here, we know it's only going to be for a season in Jesus. It's only for a season, because we know there's going to be a time when we are reunited in glory with our loved ones, where there will be no more sorrow where there will be no more tears, where there is rejoicing day after day after day after day. And so we understand these truths, and God has saved us, and he's filled us with the Spirit, so that in the day-to-day hard of life, in the day-to-day hard, in the day-to-day difficult, he wants us to be able to understand this truth so that we can, therefore, continue to follow him as he renews us, renovates us, day after day after day, bringing that renewal and that renovation to our lives on a daily basis. He saved us so that, he said, so that, having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope eternal life. That salvation that we have in Christ Jesus gives us new life. We've talked about that. The washing, the washing of regeneration, renewal by the Holy Spirit. It gives us abundant life. Jesus promised us that he came to give us life and life, abundant life to the full, life to the max, but it also provides us with eternal life. That ultimate home in heaven that we know is waiting on us one day. So what's our application? What, is the, what, what does God want us to take away? What, what is our response to this truth here this morning? Let me just give you a couple basic fundamental application points in response to this truth. The first is rejoice in Jesus. As followers of Jesus, rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Rejoice the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind has appeared. Rejoice God has saved us. Rejoice God has regenerated us. Rejoice God has renewed us. Rejoice God has poured out his spirit on us abundantly. Rejoice God has justified us. Rejoice that God has made us his heirs in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in our hope of eternal life. Rejoice in God's kindness. Rejoice in God's gentleness. Rejoice in God's love. Rejoice in God's mercy. Rejoice in God's forgiveness. Rejoice in God's faithfulness. Rejoice in God's grace. Rejoice in our new life in Christ. Rejoice in our new birth in Christ Jesus. Rejoice because greater is he who's in us than he who's in this world. Rejoice because God's grace is sufficient. Rejoice because his power is perfected in our weakness. Rejoice because God will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Rejoice because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, that's you and me, can run to it and find safety. Rejoice that God is able to above and beyond, immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. As followers of Jesus, rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice in Jesus. We can always rejoice in Jesus because Jesus is always with us. And we can always rejoice in Jesus because no one and nothing No one and nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Jesus. We can always rejoice in Jesus because no one or nothing can change who we are in Jesus and all we have in Jesus. Do you know it doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody tries to do, 
It doesn't matter whatever may happen to us, whatever, whoever may come our way. There is nothing and there is no one who can change who we are in Jesus. And there is no one and nothing can, that can change all we have in Jesus. There is no one or nothing can touch the hope that we have of eternal life with God our Father in glory one day. And this is reason that you and I can rejoice. We can rejoice in Jesus at all times. The second application point is real simple. Rely on Jesus. Rely on Jesus. When you're done having your concert in your car on your way to work, and I encourage that, have your concert singing Jesus' praises, rejoicing in Jesus on your way to work. When you're rejoicing in Jesus on your way home from work in your vehicle, before you hit the home and the house and the kids and the family and the duties and responsibilities, when you're rejoicing, rejoice, 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 continually rejoice, but before you take that step and begin to move, make sure that after you finish rejoicing, you start relying. At that very moment, rely on Jesus. We must, we must, we must rely on Jesus. Again, I've seen it in my life every day throughout the day. I know you see it as well. We are weak, but he, he is strong. You see, when we rely on Jesus, when we spend that time with him, when we focus our attention on him, when we spend time in prayer and his word, when we spend time in worship, when we rely on Jesus, the Holy Spirit encourages us as we rely on Jesus. He encourages us to cast our cares on Jesus. He encourages us to cry out to Jesus. He encourages us to remain in Jesus. He encourages us to rejoice in Jesus. Our victory is not in ourselves. Our victory is not in our ability. Our victory is not in our wisdom, our victory is not in our discernment. Our victory is not in our strength. Our victory is not in our biblical knowledge. Our victory is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. He overcame so we can overcome. And let me remind you, because we're getting ready to move into that as we finish out chapter 3. Paul's going to remind us of some of what I'm getting ready to say. In these next verses. But let me just remind each of us, because this is going to be something that we face today and this week. If we make the mistake of thinking that we can engage in the battle of spiritual warfare on a day-by-day basis in our strength, in our ability, by our understanding and our wisdom and our knowledge of the Word of God, we are sadly mistaken. We will be defeated and we'll be defeated quickly. If we try to engage against our enemy and his demonic forces of evil in the heavenly realms, if we try to engage against our enemy and his lies, temptations, and his tactics, his accusations, in our strength, it won't take long. And we're going down spiritually. We must engage in that battle of spiritual warfare in the Lord's strength. In his vast strength, by his power, by his Holy Spirit alive in us. And it's the Holy Spirit 
who gives us the strength, who gives us the wisdom, who gives us the ability, who gives us the understanding to walk in victory and to say no to all the tactics and warfare of the enemy and to say yes to the Savior, Jesus. We are able to walk in our victory in Christ Jesus as we rely on Jesus. We're rejoicing today and this week. I want to encourage you as you leave this place, as God finishes out our time together here this morning, in the next couple of hours, so we'll go from here to our classes, to places of service, and then later on we'll be leaving. Let me encourage you, leave rejoicing and leave relying. Spend the rest of this week rejoicing in Jesus, and if you need understanding, just go to this passage. But spend that time rejoicing in Jesus and relying on Jesus, step by step, moment by moment, day by day. And that victory that was won for us on the cross of Calvary, that is ours in Jesus, that victory will be the testimony of our day-to-day lives today and this week. And let me encourage you, as always, if you have yet to receive that gift of salvation, if you've yet to receive that mercy and that grace and that love of God that He poured out for you and His Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, then receive Jesus this morning. Say yes to Jesus. Place your faith in him. Jesus took your place on the cross and he paid your price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And by his death on the cross, he defeated sin. See, he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. But on the third day, he rose again. And thereby, he defeated death. So Jesus defeated sin and death for you and me. And we have the opportunity once again this morning to receive this amazing, incredible, outrageous gift of new life with God in Jesus by simply confessing our sins, admitting that we're sinners, turning from living our way, turn from your way and turn to God. Cry out to him. Ask Jesus to come in to take over and to take charge of your life and he will do just that. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response. What a great opportunity for us this morning to just respond to the Lord and his truth this morning. As followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you just to rejoice in Jesus. These prayer partners are standing up here at the front. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to pray for you, pray over you if you have a need, care, concern. We don't want you to leave carrying the same burden you walked in carrying. So these folks would love to pray with you, pray for you. They'd also love to rejoice in Jesus with you. If you got some, something you want to share, just a praise, a word of testimony, a word of praise from the Lord and what God's done for you in Jesus, they'll rejoice with you. I'm sure your brothers and sisters in Christ around you rejoice in Jesus with you. I think this is a great opportunity husbands and wives to grab hands together this morning. Brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ to grab hands and just to take a moment in prayer, just simply rejoicing in Jesus together, rejoicing in all that God has given to us in Jesus. Let me encourage you to rely on Jesus. Renew that commitment to rely on him. Maybe this past week you've been relying more on your strength and not his strength, more on your wisdom, not his wisdom. 
Renew that commitment to rely on Jesus. And then we would love to introduce you to Jesus. If you desire to have that relationship with God, today is the day of salvation. The altar is open as it always is for you to come and kneel and pray with one another, for one another. This is an exciting time of response. God has spoken to us through his word. And now we respond to him in obedience as we worship him through song. Let's stand and say yes to the Father.